Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. A time of healing, a time of blessing, a time of opening to divine possibility through the path of remembrance, which is really the path of yoga, which is bringing our attention and our awareness to consciously abide in our essential nature, the truth of our being. And today we're going to look at what it is to live joyously without reservation and ask ourselves the question, how can we live joyously even in those difficult, challenging times? Can we trust in the transformative potential of all of our experiences, not just those experiences that feel transformative, but those we really grapple with, those that are difficult. And today we're, we're joined by master teacher of all of that, and we're happy to welcome Mark Nepo back to the Yoga Hour today. He's the author of the new book, Inside the Miracle, Enduring Suffering and Approaching Wholeness. And um, he's going to be sharing with us about finding the light that is always present even when we can't see it. Mark uh, devotes his writing and teaching to the journey of inner transformation and the life of relationship. He is a best-selling author, poet, teacher, and storyteller. He's published 16 books, including the Book of Awakening, The Endless Practice, and one of my favorites, his book of poetry, Reduced to Joy, uh, as well as 7,000 Ways to Listen and Inside the Miracle, which we'll be drawing from today. His website is marknepo.com. That's Mark, M-A-R-K, Nepo, N-E-P-O dot com. Welcome, Mark. We're so delighted to have you back on the Yoga Hour today. Thank you. It's wonderful to be back with you. I feel like we dip into one one endless conversation. 
That is so great. And so before we begin our conversation about finding joy uh, without reservation, let's just take a moment for a centering meditation. As we begin to explore this topic of finding joy without reservation, let's begin with one of the most powerful tools that we have, which is our ability to return to our self, the capital S self, to draw our attention within into the depths of our being to let go of external involvement, to even let go of our own thoughts, just for a moment, just to attend to the now moment. And we can do that with our breath. The breath is such a wonderful tool. So in this moment, whether you're able to just sit or you're moving around listening to the podcast... Just attend to your breath and notice your in-breath, the feeling of the air coming in your nostrils and touching the back of your throat, filling your lungs, your abdomen. And feel the breath moving out again. And with each breath, just intend to Connect with your self. And remember that self is connected to the source of all that is. The source of joy, the source of healing, the source of blessing. So breath by breath, we return to ourself. And now with the out-breath, just feel that you connect to everyone and everything, but from this great center of yourself. And as we prepare ourselves now to engage in this wonderful conversation for you who are listening to the conversation this wonderful reflection on living with joy on the profound gifts that come to our life in sometimes difficult ways let's remember to listen from that deep center of our being going to begin our exploration this morning of living joyously and without reservation with um, a topic I think that's not always uh, completely understood, and that topic is 
non-attachment, you know, what does that mean? Sometimes people think it means uh, not caring. And uh, so we want to just explore that. I, I was thinking about the teaching story that's always been fascinating to me of a, this story that's told of a, of a monk who's, who's drinking from a beautiful crystal glass. And, and he says that as he is enjoying the beauty of that glass, appreciating the ability to drink from it. At the same time, he's already seeing that glass as broken, as shattered. And um, that's an interesting uh, idea, and it's an interesting way to see uh, our life uh, as something that is going to change and yet appreciate it in the moment. Uh, Mark, in your in your book, Inside the Miracle, you wrote, To live in wonder on the other side of suffering and disappointment is to know how magnificent and fragile it is uh, to be here at all. And so, talk to us about your experience of non-attachment and, and its importance in this transformative journey. Yeah, thank you. You know, I, I think it's important, as you said, that this is a topic that's that's often... Uh, refracted or not not really understood well and 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 just to begin you know we're just comparing notes i'm not sure that i understand it uh completely either but from my experience of it i think the first thing is that non-attachment doesn't mean non-involvement and what the image that's a teacher for me is a flag in the wind you know, a flag that is that is flapping in the wind couldn't be more immersed in the wind, and yet it doesn't hold on to it at all. And I think that this speaks uh, for for me to the life of our feelings and our thoughts and what non-attachment. And, and it's also interesting, and maybe it's a a translation to English that has its limitations because I think of, you know, so much of what Gandhi spoke about is talked about in the West as nonviolence. And of course, it's being defined by what it's not, not what it is. And when we look at Gandhi, for instance, and, and when he, his whole notion of ahimsa, which meant not doing harm, and even further, he talked about it later as intercommunity harmony. Mm-hmm. It would embrace, right. yeah, not not what it's not, but what it is. And so when we look at non-attachment, it, it really points to not clinging, not mm-hmm. holding needlessly, not grabbing on. And so that, that leads me to, in the Buddhist distinction uh, between pain and suffering, and often it's spoken about that pain is the friction of the wheel of life. We all... Uh, we all struggle with this. It's uh, the way that nature struggles with erosion. It's part of the spiritual physics. But in the Buddhist worldview, suffering is defined when we try to stop the wheel of life, either because we're in a, a joyous moment of love or wonder or beauty and we don't want it to pass, or we're in a in a, in a suffering place, and we cling out of pain or fear. And But imagine an ant trying to stop the earth from turning on its axis. Hmm. And we can't. And when we try to do that, we are 
clinging, we're attached, we're exerting our will beyond its proper realm, and that doubles our pain and causes us suffering, as the Buddhists would speak about it. So, I, you know, I think a great teacher for me, the Chinese poet Tu Fu, who appeared to me as a guide during my cancer journey, and I was afraid of everything. And he came to me in a in a dream, and he was uh, on a on a beach, just taking a branch and like you know drawing in the sand with it. And I went up to him quickly and I said, "How do I block the fear?" Mm-mm. And he ignored me, which made me feel even more afraid and hurt. And and so I, I started to get angry. I said, "How do I block the fear?" And without looking at me, he took the branch and waved it over his head and said, "How does a tree block the wind?" Mm-hmm. And he disappeared. That's so beautiful. And I and I remember part of the story where he, in a sense, kind of woke you up and said, "Enter your life." Yes. Right. Yes. Enter your enter your life, and and I love what you were you were saying about you know looking. How can we look at non attachment in terms of not so much what it is not, you know what what the practice is of not, but what is its fulfillment? You know, when we look at ahimsa, you know, which says you know non harming, but really the fulfillment of ahimsa, its its positive value is love. And um, and so in the same way we we look at you know non attachment I think you know certainly not not clinging and the beautiful example you gave of the flag in the wind you know so if we ask the question well what is the fulfillment you know like ahimsa non harming the fulfillment really is compassion is love what is the fulfillment the positive value of you know non attachment. What would you say it is? Well, I think I think if we if we we go in that direction, it is being wholehearted. Mm. It is it is immersing ourselves in and working with what we're given. You know, I love in later in life Nietzsche, the German philosopher, uh, which was a turning point for him, and he he had this very unexpected expression from his early different from his early work where he said. I want to see what is necessary as beautiful mm-hmm. so I can be one of those who makes things beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. when we're wholehearted and we don't hold on to our expectations, our ideals, our pain, our, our, our image of what we dream for, and we let life move through our heart the way water moves through the gill of a fish, then we are brought naturally to a place of thoroughness. And it's interesting that the word perfect originally meant thorough, not, it did not mean without flaws. Mm-hmm. It meant thorough. Mm-hmm. So I would almost offer that non-attachment as when that speaks to what it's not, I would offer that it what it speaks to being is to being thorough and wholehearted, regardless mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of what what comes our way. And I can see that you know I always I always do think of the meaning of perfect. Um, it's an interesting word to think about. You know, 
uh, and I always connect it to wholeness. You know, that perfection, yes. perfection is wholeness. And, uh, one of the writers in the recovery movement, Pia Melody, came up with the beautiful expression that we are perfectly imperfect. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I really liked that. And now, when we think about this, this wholeness and the ability to be that flag in the wind and to just uh, or the water running through and uh, through us. Um, that is, of course, you know, we all want to do that. And we all have certain instinctual tendencies <laughs> to try and, you know, resist the wind, to try and um, push the push the water away from coming through. You know, that's that can often be our, our first reaction to... Uh, to things that are happening in our life, I don't. I don't want that. Um, it's not the way it should be. And you know, certainly in your book, you you talk. You know, so tell the story so beautifully of your own struggles and finding your way through. So you know, it seems that generally our automatic response is not, oh, you know, this is this is transformative. I'm going to open to this. You know, and so mm-hmm. you know, wh- what is that? You know, what is the first step that we can take, you know, when that wind starts blowing, um, what is yeah. what is the skill we can have for that? Well, and I think, and let me point, share a couple of things, and then anyone who's listening, I think it's incumbent on each of us to personalize that. So I can't say a how-to, but I can point to some of the things that I've learned. And so the first thing is that, for you know, I believe that the rhythm of being human is opening and closing. It's contracting and expanding. It's you know, we we go so even as I'm speaking, my lungs are expanding and contracting. My eyes are blinking as I'm using my arms to speak. The muscles are opening and, and pulling back. So the rhythm of life, the rhythm of being human, invokes a practice of return. It's natural, I learned, that pain, fear, worry, the difficult aspects of, of being human, the difficult experiences, they always present themselves you know, in, a, in a total cloud of alarm. That's how they say hello. And it's natural for us to tense, back away, pull in, but, but it's not natural for us to stay there. And so each of us, I feel, you know, I know I have had to work on developing what I call a spiritual practice of return. When I close, I have to be ready to open. I love medieval monks would say, when asked how they practiced their faith, would say by falling down and getting up, which I love. I love that. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And so, we define we define yoga in that way too, Mark. You know that that yoga is really return. It's really you know like the meditation that we opened with today. It's really returning to yourself in the midst of it. You know, I, I love what you're saying about this. Just understanding this natural uh, tendency to to cling and to shut down and to try to hold on, and then and then the practice of returning um, to our essence of being um, to ourself is sort of opening again. So uh, that's so beautiful. We're we're going to break in in just a moment, and I'm wondering if you might share a poem with us before yes, we go sure. to the break. 
This is a poem called If You Want a True Friend. If you want a true friend, just open your hands and say, I don't know. Say it softly and wait so your other can see that you mean it. Give them a chance to drop what they think is secret. Let them come up with a cup of what matters from the spring they shall know one. Let them sigh and admit that they don't know either. Then you can begin with nothing in the way. Go on, admit to the throb you carry in your heart, and let the journey begin. Mm. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Admit to the throb you feel in your heart and let the journey begin. We're going to take just a break now for a moment. Um, you're listening to the Yoga Hour with our special guest, Mark Nepo, teacher, poet, storyteller, and author of the book, Inside the Miracle, Enduring Suffering, Approaching Wholeness. His website is marknepo.com. We'll be right back with you looking at healing and transformation. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. have a coach in your corner a life coach that is like a coach in sports a life coach can help you set clear goals and develop the confidence and tools you need to achieve them join certified life coach carla mcclellan tuesdays at 3 p.m for vibrant living on unity online radio each week coach carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to help make your life more focused more meaningful and more vibrant. Do you have a specific issue or topic you'd like to discuss with Coach Carla? Call in toll-free Tuesdays at 3 p.m. during Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla. It is the birthright of each and every one of us to live an awakened life. Most religions and spiritual traditions teach us that we need to adopt a certain belief system or follow some prescribed steps to attain a state of enlightenment. A long-held belief about awakening is that only a small number of people destined to become gurus or spiritual teachers can attain it. It is certainly true that until recent times, only a small number of people on the planet had attained this state of full self-realization. These saints, mystics, and spiritual masters were seen as special. They certainly were at the time. However, times are changing. This message was brought to you by T.J. Woodward, host of Awakened Living Radio. Learn more from T.J. on his weekly podcasts. Episodes are available on unityonlineradio.org, iTunes, and Google Play Music.
You're listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. You're listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien. And today I'm speaking with our guest, Mark Nepo, poet, teacher, storyteller. And, and I just, I want to add, you know, just human being, um, <laughs> human being extraordinaire, you know, one who is uh, walking this journey of uh, being a human being and sharing with us along the way um, the profound uh, experience of, of coming alive, coming fully alive in the midst of life's difficulties and uh he he has shown us so much inside his life inside his heart and his new book inside the miracle enduring suffering approaching wholeness is is really that and uh it's very um inspiring uh uh at any time whether you're going through challenge or not it's uh it's a beautiful book so you can find out more about mark and his work at marknepo.com and you know when in the first segment we were talking a little bit uh mark about you know how it is we begin to uh navigate difficult times in our lives and um whether it's illness or loss or grief and uh to recall that there is something uh, call it what you will, that we can open to in the midst of that. You know, we, you were describing this beautiful rhythm of life as a human being, you know, where we, we, we shut down in a protective mode. We try to keep out the wind, even though we're a flag blowing in the wind. We, we try to resist it. And then there's a process of opening. And so, you know, it seems that this, this opening, of course, is to me, it seems it's opening to something deeper than the experiences that we're having. You know, all that changes, moves and changes and passes away. And then there's this something deeper that we open to. So how have you held that, you know, this, you know, what you return to during times of challenge, what you open to? Yeah, and I think, I think you know, it's, it's I, I would even rephrase a little bit, it's what, uh, what I've been held by, and uh, and I, I think you know to, to give a context to this, um, when we when I speak about grace, you know when I, I like to think about 
you know, when a bird is carried by the wind or a fish is carried by the current or when a surfer paddles and then catches the wave, the, the time that the wave is carrying it, that surfer and the wave are one. And that doesn't last, and then the effort is paddling to catch the wave and then paddling back to shore with what that experience has brought. And that moment, that, that moment of oneness, of being carried by something larger than ourselves, to me, is grace. And I think that if, if you believe in anything larger than yourself, then you're a mystic. <laughs> That's my simple definition. And it's only when we start to try to name what's larger than us that everybody goes to their theological or scientific or natural quarters. And I don't really care anymore about what we call it. I just want to compare notes on our experience of it. Mm-hmm. We can all find our own spiritual synonym. So this experience and, and all the spiritual traditions in different language talk about uh, sanctity as the experience of, a, of being aligned with everything that's larger than you mm-hmm. and speak about dis-ease or disease as being thrown out of alignment. Mm-hmm. Again, as we spoke earlier, so we all move in and out of that. So another practice is, I believe, is when we, after we have experienced grace and we fall into a moment where the wave crashes over us, then part of our practice of return is to how to restore a personal practice of how to restore trust. Because trust in life never has gone anywhere. It's we who move in and out of, you know, being able to apprehend it. So the sun doesn't stop shining because some people are blind. So, yeah, and, and you know, I'm, I'm listening and I, I'm thinking about um, the experiences that, that I've had, you know, clearly where I, I feel um, it's, it's like, the, you know, the clouds breaking up and the sun shining through and and grace you know being lifted up in that moment and it's clear that you know i'm being held i'm being supported um by something you know beyond my level of doing or thinking um and there it is um and so there it's mysterious about you know i i wonder well okay how do we make ourselves more available for that how do we you know and and even towards the doing you know how do we provoke <laughs> this experience of of grace because you know like you say the sun is always shining grace is always there and so you know the surfer is going to catch that wave but the surfer does paddle out there to catch right. it and well, so yeah, I think, you know, from my experience, this returns us to, to leaning in, to being present and holding nothing back, to uh, returning to working with what we're given. And again, these are things that, that we can't stay, and, and being wholehearted after we hit circumstance has made us half-hearted. So to this keep keep embodying and inhabiting what's before us and that's where all the practices of breath help return us to 
to that kind of presence. I, I've come to believe that the only thing we have that we can control in this life is our absence or our presence. <laughs> yeah. so it's really much beyond beyond that. And so, you know, I think that uh, let me offer another image that that helps me, uh, and that's the image of the ocean. And if we look at the ocean, the top eight inches or ten inches or even a foot are never still. They're always disturbed by the weather. They're always moved and brought to and fro and swell and crest and maybe temporarily calm and then they're stirred again. But if you go deeper than that first eight, ten inches into the depth of the ocean, it still registers more subtly and more gently what happens on the surface. But it's not as disturbing. Now, it's all one water. It's all, you can't tell where a wave, as you go down, stops and the depth begins. And so I offer this as a, that the ocean is a teacher in this way because that top eight, ten inches is our psychology. Mm-hmm. It's our mind. It's our daily emotions. And so that, our psychology is what meets the weather of circumstance. Yes, uh, the ocean is such a beautiful teacher, and it's a, that's such a powerful image. And of course, you know, we see that you know the wave is always returning to the ocean, and so it's it's completely in alignment with you know what we began with today of this practice of you know uh, uh, of return, and we we see that with with the wave, and and when it does, you know, there's that reconnecting. And I, I love what you what you said just a few moments ago too, Mark, about. Um, in a sense, restoring our trust, you know, it's like having a big enough picture of the wave and the ocean, (laughs) of the ocean, you know, beneath the wave that allows us to, you know, begin to trust life um, in a way that opens us, opens us to grace and, um, you know, there's, I think there are many ways that we we grow in our trust. You know, experience is certainly one way, you know, when we begin to see that resilience over time uh, and our faith begins to be cultivated. But, you know, another way is our spiritual friendships that before, help us build trust. There, I want to just say one or two things more about what we just spoke about because it's, it's so moving. And, and one is that one of the things that we understandably do but that's very difficult uh for each of us is that when we have difficult experiences we need we need to move through them and honor them but we often tend to elevate them as codes to live by say say more about that mark so if i burn my hand on a stove then i can learn how to be careful and learn how to better use a stove or i can say Stoves are bad. Stay away from stoves. Mm. I can. I, I think we do this even with practicality. That practicality and problem solving is a skill to negotiate experience, but it's not a code to live by. It's not a god to pray to. So one of the things that that prevents us from restoring trust is when we deify the difficulties we encounter. So, and, 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 and so, um, 
just describe a little bit how what that might look like? Um, I like the example of the stove, but mm-hmm. you know, another example of you know, like like somebody, you know, are, are you talking about like okay, somebody is in um, a difficult relationship and they go through a painful divorce, right. and so is that then deciding that? Um, the code to live by is that marriage doesn't work. Exactly. So mm-hmm. you place in the analogy of the stove, you can replace love. I get burned by love, and now I can better learn. I, I can still believe in love and learn how to negotiate that more skillfully, or I can say stay away from love. And then if I don't do it enough, then when I have children or young ones, then I teach them, oh, don't you're going to get burned by that. By that bad stove, you're going to get burst. Yeah, go ahead. You'll find out. You'll find mm-hmm. out. You can't trust heat and love mm-hmm. and in the stove. Mm-hmm. So the the and then we can move to friendship. But the the and and this actually leads to friendship. That one of the ways to counter this or return to restore our trust is the word honor actually means to keep what is true in view. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that opens us up to a practice of, you know, to keep what I know about the depth of that ocean, the depth of life in view, to keep what I know about everything that's larger than me in view. I honor it. I honor the truth of my own soul, of friendship. If I know something to be true about you when you're in pain and can't see it about yourself, I honor you by keeping what I know about you in view. I don't let it become invisible. Mm-hmm. And so that is a uh that's a wonderful way to to open up to what how do we make a practice of honoring, of keeping what we know to be true in view because that restores our trust it brings us alive. It returns us to wholeheartedness. Mm. And the, the, the last thing that I want to offer, because it ties in with the joy, with this image of the ocean, is, you know, earlier in my life, I think I was taught or I somehow learned this, this notion that peace or joy would be the still point when trouble could be uh, resolved. <laughs> Good luck, right? right. <laughs> and instead, if we look at that ocean image, with the, all the thousand feelings we have and experiences, are each is a wave. But joy is the depth of the ocean. It's the depth of being that holds all trouble. It's not the still point at the end of trouble. That's a beautiful way of describing it. And, you know, on the path of yoga, it's very, it's very interesting you know the the return to the self in a sense is is described as experiencing bliss and often people think bliss is the same way like it's it's something we attain after we you know get everything in order in our lives um but bliss is actually defined ananda is defined as the perfect joy of self knowing mm that's beautiful <laughs> isn't that great yeah. uh, and and so I, I hear that very much in the same way, you know, that this this joy um, is really life itself. It it's it's uh, occupying yourself uh, in in the midst in the midst of it 
in the midst of it all. Um, do you have a poem you that you could share with us that that is maybe related to all this we've been talking about? It's just been so beautiful to talk about trust and honoring and uh, wholehearted living that just seems like this would be a good place for a poem. Sure. This is a, a newer poem called At Every Turn. When I sweat trying to lift what no one can lift, I am praying. When I fly a thousand miles to be stopped by the moon on the spine of an ancient mountain, I am praying. When I fall on the lawn in laughter with my dog and she won't stop licking my face, I am praying. When you are winded by the light on the photo of your mother who died so suddenly, You are praying. When your grief lets you feel the pain of those you don't even know, you are praying. When life moves through us for no reason, we are all praying. I am humbled that all my efforts to pray have failed until living is praying with no intent. Now my heart is plucked like a string of a harp at every turn. Mm, mm, mm. Such a beautiful poem. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, living is praying with no intent. And to to not have our prayers about um, getting someplace else, <laughs> um, being Mm, you know, rescued from the life that we have, but, you know, coming back to one of those original um, commands of the of the poet who guided you through your illness, you know, enter your life, enter your life. Um, and uh, we, we start to just, just think for a moment about our spiritual friendships and how there are those uh, companions along the way uh, who really help us enter our life. Um, you know, there's only, mm, I believe anyway, that, that, that we can see ourselves, in, there's certain parts of ourselves that we can see, of course, and, but there's a, a piece of us that we cannot see. And, um, others reflect to us. And when we have uh, spiritual friends, especially, um, there's a, a light that can come in those relationships um, that help uh, restore us, that, that help lift us up. And, and you've written about the spiritual friendship and Inside the Miracle, um, your relationship with Anne, the, and the challenges that you both went through, and also with your friend Robert. And I was really captivated by your stories about Robert and how you, in a sense, kind of woke up together. You know, he, he was struggling with, um, uh, addictions, um, I think a, maybe an alcohol addiction you were describing yeah. there, and um, and he helped you see that although that wasn't the issue in your life, there was also an addiction going on of just which you called the addiction of making, which I found you know 
well, that's pretty pervasive, I think, in our in our culture. Um, but the whole idea of addiction, of course, the understanding that I have of it and the experience that I have of it is running away from our lives rather than entering our lives. It's all the ways that we run away from connecting with ourselves because we're too scared uh, to enter. So it sounds like you and Robert found ways to support each other to actually enter your life and stop running away from it. Well, I think there's a, there's a fine line between uh, anything that can be a gift, and if we don't inhabit it wholeheartedly, it can become an addiction. And so, at, you know, I was a driven artist before my cancer experience. And, um, and Robert, yes, as an alcoholic, he knew me so well in recovery, he, and as he was going in recovery, he turned to me one day and said, well, I'm an alcoholic, but you're a makeaholic." <laughs> and which was, and I've spent many years um, learning to honor and respect the creative force that comes through me and to meet it and, and hold it with my spirit, because if not, that creative force will use us up the way a fire burned wood. And so, uh, you know, it's really led through the years uh, to a difference from wanting to create poems to needing to discover true poems that can help me live to wanting to be the poem. <laughs> to wanting to be the poem. And, you know, and I think you know, friendship is so important and, and so important to me. The word itself means place of high safety. Place of high safety. And I think that, you know, life has been made just difficult enough that we need each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that is to ensure the journey of love. And, you know, um, the great central paradox of life is that no one can live your life for you and no one can make it alone. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we need each other. There's a great, in Chinese mythology, there is a mythic bird called the Qian. And the Qian has one wing and one eye, and it needs to find another Qian in order to fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's, that's what we do with each other. Cicero also said a friend is a second self. Mm. And, you know, uh, Robert and I are now 38, 39 years we have been friends. We're, we are brothers. And um, uh, we really, you know, no one could save him from his addiction or me from mine or from the cancer I face. But we were there for each other and and held each other up through the fire. You know, there's a there's a great passage in the very center of Dante's Divine Comedy that's very powerful. Right in the exact middle in Purgatory, Dante and Virgil, the spirit of Virgil was his guide, just like Tufu was my guide. And at the very center of this enormous journey, Dante comes upon a wall of fire. And he's, he doesn't know how he can continue because there's no way except to go through it. And Virgil says to him, it is the fire that will burn but will not consume. 
you can do it. And Dante listens and he goes, ah, I'd rather not. <laughs> 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 thanks, but no thanks. And Virgil looks him in the eye and again says, it is, this, it is the fire that will burn but will not consume. You must go through it. I will be there on the other side. Mm-hmm. And so Dante summons his courage and he walks through the wall of fire. And he is, you know, he's nicked and burned a little, and but he's okay. And Virgil had told the truth. But from that point forward, Virgil is never seen again in the entire journey. Mm-hmm. No word of him, no mention of him, no word from him. And now we can say, well, did Virgil betray Dante? Um, There's no mention of it, but what it speaks to me is that wall of fire is the wall of transformation. And Virgil, as a spiritual friend, helped Dante do what only he could do. And once he went through that wall of transformation, Dante became his own guide. Mm -hmm. He became his own friend. (laughs) Own friend. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, I have found on my journey that, you know, I have, uh, uh some dear friends and, you know, I, I certainly remember difficult times and sometimes, uh, it wasn't, um, necessarily, um, a challenge that I was going f- through that my friend, you know, was a support, you know, accompanying me along the way and encouraging me, although certainly that is also the case with spiritual friendships. But, you know, there have been times uh, when I have, you know, a very true friend who who actually told me that, you know, my life was on fire when I didn't even know it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and who, who said, you know, the, you're going the wrong way. And um, that takes so much courage, you know, to be that kind of friend. Um, and so I, I remember, you know, years ago, an encounter like that where, you know, my friend came to me and said, you know, you're, you're making the wrong decision, which ordinarily, you know, a friend will not do. They'll just kind of try to help you see, but sometimes it takes that kind of intervention. Um, and, and the courage to be that kind of friend, um, is just kind of like what Robert said to you. You know, this is the addiction you're dealing with. You know, that's very confrontive um, to be that kind of friend who will, you know, really speak up and say, um, you know, I think it's it it is that the a spiritual friend knows the truth of us, it knows the truth of who we are, and if we are wandering away from that um, that friend who, you know, I would say is really the divine friend, you know, personified, um, will say, you know, you've lost your way. Well, and I think I think that also, you know, a true friend um, also continues to, a true friend wants you to grow and not stay the same. And a true friend also, we continue to ask each other questions. We continue mm-hmm. to say, who are you today? Right. I know you so well, but who are you now? And it's, it's you know, I think whether that is uh, in a marriage or, you know, in a friendship, in a family situation, that a true friend is one who is committed 
to our growth, as you say. One who is committed, I like to say, a true friend is committed to our full enlightenment in this Mm -hmm. lifetime. You know, that that is the commitment that you have to each other, um, to not uh, hold each other back, um, you know, out of wanting someone to stay the same so that you can have that same friend or that same spouse, um, but being fully committed uh, to one another's growth and full becoming. And um, that's a beautiful gift of spiritual friendship. And um, I see we're coming near to the time of uh, a close today. Our time together, Mark, is, is always so precious and um full of inspiration uh, and I'm so grateful for you and your work and I'm, I'm wondering as we come time to close if you'll if you'll bring us another poem or some words of inspiration as we conclude this topic today on um, living joyously without reservation well and I think I think that you know as we've been talking uh, it's you know I'm 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 humbled uh, and by some of the, the the changes I've gone through over my life, and I think this is archetypal, but I would say, and then I'll close with a poem, that, um, you know, in the first half of life, I think like many people, we look to distinguish ourselves from others. We look to find what are our unique gifts, how can we contribute, what can we, how can we make a difference, how, how am I singular? And then life... Uh, wears us down to what's essential and in the second half of life I found that I really define who I am by what I have in common with all other lives not by how I'm different and Mm -hmm. paradoxically the depth of that bond affirms my uniqueness Mm -hmm. so this is a small piece called Becoming a Small Gesture and it refers to Ganesh the Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, you know, the, the wonderful Hindu deity that is the provider and remover of obstacles. That's always, uh, as you know, but for some of our listeners, is, a, is shown as a, uh, uh, an elephant. It's always represented as an elephant, with, usually with four arms. Um, and I should say that Ganesh is a deity that is not exempt from that which he is lord over. He's not exempt from the life of obstacles. One of the great stories is that Ganesh hit an obstacle and was so enraged and angry that he broke his own tusk off and threw it at the moon. And the moon spit it back at him. And so many uh, statues of Ganesh will he will be holding his tusks and he knows that he is not exempt from obstacles either. Becoming a small gesture... Maybe all my sufferings have been carving me into a statue of Ganesh that someone will find in the next life in a small store in New York when they rush in to get out of the rain. Maybe all I've been through will draw them to pick me up and touch my long trunk or one of my forgiving hands. And though they can't afford to take me home, they might circle the store three times before putting me on their credit card. (laughs) something in the way life has carved my eyes shut speaks to the unawakened song they carry that they so desperately want to sing. Maybe they'll take me home and place me on their bedstand where I can bless them as they dream of becoming who they are. 
Mm. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for the richness of your poetry, um, the light that shines from your spirit uh, into the world, and the beautiful way that you make the teachings available to us. Um, I want to uh, remind listeners so much of what we've been speaking about today they can find inside the miracle, and of course, inside the miracle of their own life, but also <laughs> literally in the book, Inside the Miracle, Enduring Suffering Approaching Wholeness by Mark Nepo. Visit Mark's website, marknepo.com. And I invite you to join me again next week for Living Our Spirituality. I'll be speaking with Pravrajika Vajrapana, author of the book Vedanta, A Simple Introduction. Yoga Hour is the uh, service project of Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, uh, meditation center in the spiritual tradition of Kriya Yoga. Find out more about CSE at csecenter.org, csecenter.org. I want to thank our whole Yoga Hour team, Jeff in the sound room, all the folks at Unity Online Radio, and uh, our producers, uh, Vicki Martin and Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Remember to subscribe to Yoga Hour, tell your friends about it, to get it downloaded through iTunes. It's free, it's easy. And also want to um, let you know that there's a past um, episode with Mark, The Role of Poetry on the Spiritual Path. This is a beautiful podcast where you can hear uh, more of Mark reading his poems. And the original air date was April 2nd, 2015. So you can find it on Unity's site or you can find it at csecenter.org as well. The Role of Poetry on the Spiritual Path. Thank you again, Mark. It's really been such a delight. Oh, thank you. It's wonderful to be with you. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye, Jeff. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
To paraphrase Einstein, I can't solve a problem at the level of the problem. The world's great religions tell us to treat others as we would like to be treated. Remembering that thought makes it a little easier for me to become a peacemaker, a bringer of love when conflict appears. When I choose to be a peacemaker, a loving response or sometimes silence replaces the snappy comeback to an unkind statement directed my way. The momentary satisfaction of winning an argument gives way to the deeper satisfaction of helping to create a more peaceful world, a world where destructive conflict no longer has a place. Peace really can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 